I'd like to share a special moment with our children this morning. So if you're here in the sanctuary and want to come join me down here, that would be great. And if you're worshiping from home, you might want to move just a little closer to your screen so we can have a special moment together. Good morning, good morning. Such an exciting time of year. Good morning. Glad to see you guys. Welcome. Have a seat. Join me up here and welcome those who are worshiping at home. I want to tell you a story about a woman from my former church, the church where I used to be a pastor, and her name was Miss Irene. Miss Irene came to visit the church for the very first time by herself. She had just moved into um, a new house that was really close to our church, and the church that she'd been going to was way across town, so she wanted to find a new church near her home. And so she came by herself. She was a retired school teacher and didn't know anybody in the church. So she was sitting there in her chair singing her hymns, and she felt a little pat on her shoulder. And she turned around, and behind her was a little girl named Anna, who was sitting behind her with her family. And Anna just kept patting Miss Irene all through the service. She just kept patting her, just patting her. And so they met each other after the service was over. The next Sunday, Anna and Miss Irene sat next to each other. And they sat next to each other in church for years. And they became very special friends. Miss Irene was Anna's confirmation mentor. And just the other day, I looked on Facebook and saw that Anna just got her driver's license. And the first person who said congratulations in the comments on Facebook was, you know who, Miss Irene. And that's one of the things I love about church is that we can be friends with people of all ages, people who are different from us in all sorts of ways. But God gives us friends here in church. Miss Irene needed a friend that day, and Anna needed a new friend that day, and God made it possible through the church. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the very special kinds of friendships that you give us through the church, that we're called together with people of all ages and races and all different kinds of people from different backgrounds and different languages, and we can be friends because of you, and we thank you so much for that blessing. As we remember Miss Irene and Anna, help us to think about Mary and Elizabeth in our Bible lesson today and how very special their friendship was, thanks to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I hope you guys make some new friends today at church, and I'm so glad to see you. If you are three, four, or five years old, you can go with Pastor Maggie to Children's Chapel, and if you're older than that, you can return to your seat with your parents or special friends. I'm three. You're three? Well, then you can go with Pastor Maggie. She's standing right there in the striped sweater. Many of you know that David and I have a son named Tate, who's a sophomore in college at Furman University. 
He just got home this past week. It's been really great to have him around, and we've been to the grocery store three times since he got home. <laughs> Drinks a lot of milk these days. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he was still at school uh, studying for exams, we hope, and um, David's phone rings. We're in the living room, and my phone was across the house. I left it in the bedroom, and so David answers his phone, and we hear Tate's voice say, where's mom? And of course, my heart dropped into my stomach. I think, oh no, my little boy needs me. What's wrong? So I, David handed me the phone. I said, hey, Tate, what's up? He said, mom, I'm putting you on speakerphone. I have a Bible question. I'm in a debate with a couple of my friends, and we need to know what animal did Mary ride from Nazareth to Bethlehem? I was like, well, Tate, I'm sorry to say, but the Bible doesn't say. Are you sure? So I got out my Bible, which of course was right next to me in the living room, and I opened it up, and uh, no, Tate, it just says they go to Bethlehem. It doesn't say how they got there. Oh, all right. Two minutes later, the phone rings again. What was the terrain like? What, if they had ridden an animal, what would... <laughs> so obviously they were having a debate, and um, I said, well, if it were anything, it would probably be a donkey. And he was like, darn it. I said camel. So I'm glad that my son calls me in these theological emergencies. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I think there was some theological flirting going on, but I, that's not mine to say. Anyway, the point is that there are a lot of things about these stories, especially these really familiar stories around Christmas, that leave us with a lot of questions. A lot of things that we think are in the story, but actually aren't. Like, of course, we imagine Mary on a donkey because, or not a camel, on a donkey because that's how she's portrayed in so many pictures. And of course, we think that the shepherds and the magi were there in the manger at the same time, but those stories are actually in two different gospels. We don't know the timing of those things. And I know that I have a lot of questions about Mary. We don't really know how old she was, but if she is betrothed at a time when it would have been normal to be betrothed in that culture, she was probably 13 years old. And I want to know more about her and how she was able with such faith and willingness to say to God, yes, let it be with me according to your word. But I want to know, was she scared? Did she tell her parents right away? When did she tell Joseph? And, and what was the response in her village? And what was all of that like? We don't really know. We don't get that story. When we find Mary in our scripture reading this morning, she has just said yes to the angel Gabriel. She has just uttered those words, let it be with me according to your word. And the very next thing that happens is that she goes with haste to the hill country of Judea to visit her relative Elizabeth. Why? I want to know why she goes. Why does she go with haste? Does she go because she's scared? Has she told her parents that she is now bearing a child through the power of the Holy Spirit and they didn't believe her and they rejected her? We don't know. Did she tell Joseph 
And did he dismiss her in that moment? We don't know. Maybe she hasn't told anybody yet. Is she afraid? Is she anxious? Or is there something else going on? I wonder, and of course we don't know, but I wonder if she makes that speedy journey to her relative Elizabeth because of what the angel Gabriel said. Gabriel said to her, you will conceive and bear a son. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived and is carrying a son who will be the prophet to prepare the way for your child, the Messiah. And she was said to be beyond childbearing years. There's nothing impossible with God. Maybe it is the Holy Spirit that is pushing Mary to go visit her relative Elizabeth. Maybe God wants to bring these two women together for just a little while to help them find comfort with each other, inspiration with each other. At this point, they are the only two people in the world, except perhaps Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband. But in that household and Mary, they're the only ones in the world who know what God is up to. The only ones who know that the Messiah, for whom the Jewish people have been waiting for centuries, is about to be born. And maybe God knows they need a little bit of time to be together to encourage each other and bless each other. And so Mary goes with haste. And I'm sorry, Tate, I don't know if she walked or rode a donkey or a camel, but she went fast. And when she walked into Zechariah's household, I don't know, was she worried about what Elizabeth would say when she told her the truth? At this point, she's so early in her pregnancy, she's not showing. It's not obvious that she's carrying a child. But as soon as she walks in the door, Elizabeth rejoices. The child in Elizabeth's womb, whom we know to be John the Baptist, through the power of the Holy Spirit, leaps for joy, recognizes the child in Mary's womb. And these two women have this beautiful spiritual connection through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, Elizabeth blesses Mary. Mary has nothing to fear from Elizabeth. She is welcomed and embraced and given a safe place to be loved and to be celebrated. So Mary is blessed by Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is blessed by Mary. How is it, Elizabeth says, that the mother of my Lord has come to visit me? How did I get to receive this honor that the first person the mother of my Lord comes to see is me? And so there's this moment of mutual blessing and sharing and comfort. And as I think about this relationship between Elizabeth and Mary, I realize that it is the work of the Holy Spirit. And it is in many ways the very first church. The church is made up of people inspired by the Holy Spirit 
who come together from all walks of life, all ages, rich and poor, all across the world, because we've been drawn together as those who proclaim the Messiah has been born, that God is doing something for all humankind through this one called Jesus. That's the beginning of the church. If you think about it, in our day, there are very few places that call together people of different ages, different walks of life. There are very few ways that, that my children could have relationships with folks who are 40, 50, 60 years older than them. But they got it at church. And in the church, they were, there was mutual blessing between the young and the old. The young teach us about the world that is emerging. They teach us new perspectives on life. The old guide the young and help them put their experiences into perspective. That it, life won't always be as hard as it is when you're 14. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God blesses us and helps us to see through our relationships with one another what God is doing in the world. So just like Mary and Elizabeth, we gather together as those who know what God is about to do. And we love and support each other and gather in hope. But then the story goes on. After Mary and Elizabeth have greeted one another, Mary breaks out into song. And she begins to sing about how blessed she feels by God and how all future generations will call her blessed. And then she turns from her own blessing to see what God is doing in the world. And through these powerful words of prophecy, she proclaims that God, by choosing her and Elizabeth, by already doing what God has done, God has turned the tables on the world, has lifted up the lowly and brought down the mighty from their thrones filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty, announcing this incredible reversal and the coming of justice and peace into the world. This 13-year-old girl singing and preaching like a prophet of the justice and peace of God. But you know what's interesting? You know, we don't have any original copies of Luke's gospel. The, the original copies lost to us. What we have are manuscripts, ancient versions of it that circulated. And some of those ancient manuscripts say that this was Mary's song. But a few of them say it was Elizabeth's song. That it was Elizabeth who sang the Magnificat. Isn't it a beautiful thing to think that this was a song that emerged out of their relationship? That together, as they prayed and as they celebrated what God was doing in each of their lives, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to look out into the world and see what God was doing and to proclaim it together. That sounds like church to me. We come together and and we testify to what God is doing in each of our lives. And then as one body with one voice, we look out into the world through different eyes. 
the eyes of God's justice and peace. And we go forth to proclaim it in whatever ways we are called to do so. And then we come back together for love and support and joy and blessing and then go back out into the world. It's a beautiful thought to think that Mary and Elizabeth were the very first church. And here we are today, 2,000 years later, still singing their beautiful song. Thanks be to God.